0: Well I know a lot of people are celebrating the val- Valentine's Day this this day where we reflect on on our spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, you know, the whole the whole time period of of really focusing on relationships. And so I was was thinking about, okay, this is going to be a you know, a night where where people may, you know, go out to eat and celebrate and, and there may be some people that decide to come and spend spend it with us right so as i was looking at this i said what couple in the bible really speaks uh kind of to you know cuz is the thing i don't want to just tell you how to love and do all these things i really wanted to figure out how can i inspire you to to move forward in the gospel with your significant other, or even if you're not married or not dating or anything like that, how you yourself can prepare yourself for what God wants to do in your future. Amen? So when you look at these, these two people I'm going to talk about, uh, you see them sprinkled out in the book of Acts and in a couple of Paul's letters. Now, when I first looked at them, their names are Aquila and Priscilla. First, first I, I thought was like, poor Aquila. I mean, imagine that name in school. I got, you know, it was kind of rough being a Kelly. Uh, I couldn't imagine being Aquila. Not to mention, it kind of sounds like a girl. Um, was I the only person I thought that? Okay, this is a guy. You might not have known that. You, well, you may, may have. But anyway, this is a couple that really did a lot of things behind the scenes in Paul's ministry. And it's really, you can base these things down to about three things. And I believe if you apply these three things in your marriage, in your relationship, in your own personal life, you as well will flourish for the kingdom of God. You know, as I read a verse, I'll never see this verse again. And as we start the message... I want to look at this last verse, kind of like you know, in a movie they show you the last scene and they spend the whole movie kind of telling you what this last scene was about. It's basically this is what we're gonna do tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesphorus. Now, when you see the word Prisca, you say, I thought her name was Priscilla. There's a there's a very good reason why it's translated this way, and it's not a typographical error. You know, I'm uh, over the pre-marriage counseling here, so if you want to get married, you kind of come through me, I guess. (laughs) Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. (laughs) But anyway, I I love this part of ministry. I really love looking at two young lovebirds. They look into the eyes, and they finish each other's sentences, and you know they're just like, man, I'm, it's so amazing. Our marriage is from heaven, and it's so joy. I mean, our relationship—it's like God knew exactly what He was doing. I'm like, calm down. Thunder and lightning is made in heaven as well. You know, it's like you look at the—you look at him and you say, "Man, you really don't have any idea of morning breath and no makeup." <laughs> Hair, not going where it's supposed to be. (laughs) You know, you spend so much time. Bills, how about bills? How about shoes? Sometimes that could be a a man's problem as well. (laughs) What about the honey-do list? Right? And what about the fact that tone matters more than what is actually being said? (laughs) okay, praise God, we'll do some counseling for that. Because that's one that's like, men. if you say it with the wrong tone, it does not matter how you meant it, it comes across mean. And then many don't know down the road the battles that begin to rage, just living life together, right? We already have our own issues, and then we join together and combine our issues. And then the heartbreak. And then the fact that the devil is trying to destroy your marriage because he absolutely hates marriage. It is the very pillar of our foundation. In fact, God instituted marriage in Genesis before he ever instituted the church. Now, when you enter into this powerful union, we can see that the devil hates it. The devil fights it. The devil tries to rename it. He tries to requalify it. He tries to repicture it. Right? He tries to absolutely undermine it, destroy it, minimalize it, and that's what the devil does. And many of you may be having marital problems, and you you're looking at your spouse, or you're in a relationship, and you're looking at the the, the person that you're 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 uh, in relationship with, and you, you just keep fighting this person. Listen, marriage is built on Jesus. You know, there are a lot of people that are just trying to figure it out. I can tell you, your marriage must be built on Jesus, the solid rock Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. But also, we must be about his mission. See, a lot of times we just get a picture of, of what marriage is. You know, we, we look at Ephesians 5, 22 and 25, through, uh, verse 25, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. So we read these verses sometimes and we talk about them during the wedding ceremony and, and people could be taken aback, but... When you submit to your husband, you're submitting as unto the Lord. And so you look at your relationship and you're able to say, well, I'm submitting to the Lord. Now, listen, sometimes husbands don't necessarily live that kind of lifestyle, right? And and it seems like, man, it's more like you're submitting to them. But listen, you're submitting to the office of the husband, really. And when this husband really gets the idea and begins to lay his life down, not from a bullet, but on the day to day right so you could start doing that just in lunch where do you want to eat where do you want to eat where do you want to eat where you, lay your life down I want I want ball crawfish she wants tacos <laughs> lay your life down lay your desire down it's about serving each other right people pull out the swords sometimes when they're in the office and they're just ready to destroy each other and it's like put the swords down and pick up the band-aids who's going to be the first one to race to fix this This happens when we're submitted to Christ. When we have unforgiveness towards our spouse or or somebody we're in relationship with, we have every right sometimes to have that feeling, but what we do is when we're built on Christ, we're looking at the fact that Jesus forgave me. That's the foundation. That is how your marriage works when it's built on Jesus. That's how your relationship works. And I want to look at Priscilla and Aquila tonight because I really believe that these this couple really had it down pat. Now, obviously, they probably had issues, right? Just like we have issues. Okay, I just want to make sure because my halo, I left it at home. But uh, we first hear of this couple in Acts. The second half of the book of Acts speaks of Paul's missionary works. This is going to be a little bit of teaching tonight, and I, I really hope you you will... Understand some of the things that we want to talk about tonight and how you can apply them in your own life. Cause listen, time is ticking. And I don't know if you're busy about the Lord's work, but it's not, now is not the time to lay things aside. Right? Now is the time to focus and let those sins that so easily beset us lay them down. Cause listen, the trump could sound at any moment and we are escaping to mansions on high. We talked about this a while back about the whole uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle and you can see that beginning to rage even now if you keep up with the news. So Paul is in the midst of his second missionary journey and I want to show you a picture. Let's look at Corinth and Paul's day. It's possible that he even walked on on this very road. Paul left Athens, Greece for about... It took about five hours to get to Corinth. And then he lands in the seaport, which is a place called Centrea, And then he walked about eight miles. Now imagine Paul dealing in his feelings about this. I mean, you have to understand what this place was. This place was the very picture of debauchery. And every form of immorality in demonic activity known to mankind. Now imagine Paul. He's leaving. He shows up here feeling downcast from in the book of Acts. If you remember, he was being ridiculed because he was talking about the resurrection. So Paul sets sail towards Corinth and he would walk about eight, eight miles, which would have taken about eight, a couple of hours. And then he would arrive in this city and spend 18 months of his life. This city had a high mountain, and it was called Acharinth. And this, this place housed the temple Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love. And this temple had about 1,000 temple prostitutes that they called priestess. The society was known for its great and many philosophies. This city was known for drunken brawls at night. During the day, peddlers, traders, sailors, soldiers, athletes, slave trading, and predator parasites of all kinds. It was known as being Corinthianized. This was a normal way of life. This is proof positive when you get, when you see, not when you hear the word Corinthian or Corinth, you think of the gospel. That That is perfect evidence that the gospel can completely change a city. It can completely change a nation. Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, chapter, um, verse 1 through 5, and it says that I, in verse 2, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. In power. This word determination means to decide mentally. See, in your marriage or in your relationships, you can decide mentally, I'm going to be about the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to lay down my rights. In this situation, in this argument, and I'm gonna seek to lift up my spouse, the other person in the relationship. If it's family, you can live your life to determine to know nothing. It doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm gonna handle it as Christ. And that is how you will, you will show the wisdom and power of God. And it won't necessarily be preaching, right? Not persuasive words. But as the Spirit of God moves through your situation, changes the hearts of you and the person that you are with, and it begins to change the outlook on, on a a specific argument or a circumstance. In other words, you may see someone and, or or your spouse or, or, or your relationship, and all of a sudden they just come at you and, you know, really start to fight or get on your nerves and you just see that, it's like, man, you're invading my space, talk talk wise and you're coming at me but the Spirit of God will say, you don't know what kind of day this person had? Amen? How about that? We start looking at the backstory of things that are going on. Amen? This will help us if we do this. You know, I could think about this situation as you look at Paul coming to the, the city in Corinth, Aquila and Priscilla are already there. They were ran out. If you, we can re, We'll read that in a minute in Acts. And imagine as Paul, the Bible says that he went there in fear and much trembling. In other words, he knew what he was getting himself into, but he saw Aquila and Priscilla, probably on that road that we, that we looked at on the picture. And imagine just the presence of someone being there that you know is in, in the same bowl as you, amen? In other words, the same situation. I'll give you an example. When I first came on staff, I was sent to a hospital visit on a Sunday, and the first hospital visit, and I and I get there, and the family is trying to decide about, should they pull the plug on the husband? Now, <laughs> I'm wet behind the ears, right, in ministry? I'm walking in this room. I'm fearful and petrified. I don't know what to say. I'm trying to find the mind of the Lord. I'm, I'm praying. I'm begging God to heal, to, to comfort. And all of a sudden I step outside of the room and I see brother Francis walking down the hall. And I'm telling you, it's like doves were just following him. And he was completely walking just in this, this giant peaceful pace and immediately he's like hey Kelly how's it going i'm like hey brother francis i'm about to pass out i was so I, I was so worried that i would say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing and brother francis just walked into the room prayed that the lord would raise him up he he didn't but he said you know i just Went down the line. Okay, I'm going to pray for this, and I'm going to pray for that. And I just watched him as he began to totally suck the anxiety out of the room and comfort the family and take control of that situation. And the peace that surpassed understanding destroyed that room. Amen. So once again, it was that comfort of seeing here comes somebody that knows what they're doing. (laughs) I kind of know what I'm doing now, but <laughs> but I just want to encourage you. So I said that to say when Paul walks up and he sees Aquila and Priscilla, this must have brought comfort. And, I, and I'm here to tell you as well, you don't know what your presence does in somebody's situation, and they could gain strength from, strength from you just being there. And Acts 18, 1 through 3 in verse 11 says, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila born in Pontius, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla, and they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. And in verse 11 it says, So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Now imagine this, they get there, Aquila and Priscilla's there. Don't think for one second God didn't orchestrate that. So they had fled as well. Aquila owns a business, a tent-making business. Some, some translations say a leather worker. Paul knows them, visits with them, and they set up ministry base there in Corinth. Now think about this. They were just there, and look at what they did. They just simply gave what they had, right? That's the first point that I want you to see. Number one, willingness to use what you have for the gospel. Just like Peter did when Jesus said, give me your boat he let him go. Like the boy with the bag lunch. The boy with the bag lunch, he just gave what he had and the Lord multiplied it. What is the Lord wanting to use in your life, in your relationship to bring him glory? Can I tell you something? It'll be your time. It'll be your pain. It'll be your finances, your strengths. It may be a small group. You know, we've just finished the small group time and then we've heard so many good things about it amen did you enjoy it but that doesn't have to stop you can do that with two or three people you can just get together and decide that I want to make the gospel center of my life I want the gospel to be the very first thing that I live my life through and out of You can do this in your relationship. You see, that's one thing that Aquila and Priscilla knew, is they were on mission for God. Nobody had to rile them up. They didn't have to hear a song to get involved, right? They didn't have to get goosebumps. They were already sold in their own heart and mind individually that the gospel is the first and foremost most important thing that you will ever put your hands to because it is the only thing that will matter when you step on the other side. Listen, they do this together. That's one of the beautiful parts of this entire story. And listen, they were not yet, not necessarily great speakers. The Bible never says that. The Bible just mentions their name, and they always mention it together. Now, you can do this with recreation, you can do this at work, and you can do this at family. Think about it. If you're involved in any type of relationship, you can always be looking at the gospel. When somebody's heartbroken, you could come alongside of them. You don't have to quote all kind of verses. You could just be with them in the ditch. Amen? Your life can be ministry. You know, I think about this as growing up as a teenager in the church. I can remember specific couples, specific families that were always there. They were always there when, when, when we messed up, they were always there when things didn't go right. They were always there to just be there, and they're still there to this day. In fact, uh, the church that we used to go to 20 years ago, some of those same families were coming to check on my mom uh, when, when, when she wasn't, doing well. They were there for my dad and we're there for each other. And I can't remember the things that were taught. I just remember them being there in the ditch. You see, some people think that ministry happens from this platform, but ministry happens when you get in the ditch with somebody and walk along somebody, not necessarily preach with them, but cry with them, hug on them, call and check up on them, walk with them. Amen. Praise God. You know, I think of which she wouldn't want this but I think of like my mom you know just watching as my dad is dying and witnessing at work and people coming to the bible study that we were having and getting getting saved and my dad just sitting there barely you know very tired and weary but still telling the gospel still encouraging you know I think of, of Shannon you know she, she works with, with her, her dad and uh, at, you know, she's a secretary at, at Iberia Discount Tire. And many times people will come in and sit there and they just weep with her she just listens to what they're saying and she doesn't quote all kind of bible verses but she's there she's there to encourage you sometimes if we can just listen with the compassion in our heart that's all someone is looking for you don't have to sit there and try to figure it out you don't have to sit there and tell them what to do they just want you to listen to them and show compassion and you know the compassion that flows out of You, when you know that you've been redeemed and you have the compassion of the Lord and you don't have all kind of Bible knowledge and all that stuff, that's not needed. Listen, God will send the who for the how he chooses to use you in ministry. Aquila and Priscilla knew that their marriage was a great carrier of the gospel. You'd be surprised how common struggles in pain can be the strength in wood for the fire of relationships and faith. When you want to see, who can I reach out to? Look for someone that is dealing with what you have already walked through and Jesus has delivered you from. See, this couple, out of their house, out of their living room, came the Corinthian church as well as the Ephesus church. Think about that. Talk about a living room. You can do that in your room, in your house. Listen, we have the gospel letters today because two people were willing to use what they had. Number two, ready in the opportunity to trust God to use you with what you already know. Because a lot of times people say, well, I'm just not there yet. I don't know all kind of verses. Well, either do we. We don't know the whole. I mean, like, let's go through Leviticus. We don't necessarily understand all the things of the gospel. We, We have chosen to live our life and spend the entire rest of our life studying the scriptures and presenting the scriptures as well as you. You are ministers and kings and priests and queens unto God. And sometimes the only Bible, as they say, that people will ever read is your life. And when you're learning the verses that you apply to your life, that's sometimes all you need to share. Now think about this: Paul left for Ephesus, and his couple goes with them. They all get to Ephesus, and apparently Paul forgot his wallet or his cell phone, and he had to go back to Antioch. Just a joke. They didn't have cell phones and wallets. Well, maybe so. I mean, they were leather workers, but, bomb. Uh. There's no telling what this couple went through, really, following Paul. I mean, when you read the the, the the letters of Paul, I mean he's stoned, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead. These people were with him. Huh. Look at what would happen. In Acts eighteen, twenty-four through twenty-five. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. And accuracy. However, he only knew of John's baptism. So basically, what this scripture, these scriptures are telling us is that Apollos was very—he uh, had a, a, a desire to teach. He had a desire to preach. He was quoting the verses that he knew about John's baptism, and he just—he just was preaching. I mean, he was like maybe can only say a couple of things, but man, he was preaching his guts out on that. And here comes. Uh, uh, aquila and priscilla they come to the local synagogue they're sitting there and they're hearing apollos teach with a limping theology now they didn't go to facebook and they didn't go to instagram and say false prophet false teacher right they didn't make a blog about you know how he's not doing this and doing that this is what it says that they did in acts 18 26 when priscilla and aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue they took him aside and explained The way of God even more accurately. Now, when you read the context in Acts 19, it's possibly talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God unleashed, right? Now, think about this. When you read the rest of the verses and you see Apollos' life, you begin to see that he does great and mighty things for God. Listen, they didn't wait for Paul to show up, right? They didn't say, man, we need to schedule an appointment with Paul so he can explain the baptism with the Holy Spirit with you. No, they took it the initiative to step out because think about it, they were already under Paul for a year and a half so they heard, no doubt, much of his teaching and they were so inspired that they wanted to help out in this situation. Once again, that's what ministry is. You see somebody limping in a situation and you come alongside and say, how can I help you? What can I do? How How can I get involved? right? It's not necessarily calling the church and saying, hey, you need to send so-and-so that they can pray. Get up and say, you know what? I'm going to go and pray. You never know what God wants to do in your situation. Listen, God knew that Paul would be going back to Antioch, and he knew that Aquila and Priscilla would be in Ephesus, and God ordained that, right? Now think about this. This can happen in your small group. You see somebody, you see they're going through a situation. You don't have to Bring it out in the group. But you could just pull them off to the side and say, hey, man, let's go grab lunch. Something that you were talking about kind of piqued my interest, and I want to see how I can help you. Or you know what? Something that you were saying I went through, then I'd like to spend some time with you and talk about that. That is ministry. The greatest ministry you will be part of happens in the ditches of life. Amen? Amen? Now listen. When you when you, when you you continually go forward in this, God's point of view is amazing because, like I said, they didn't sit there and say, we need to do something. We need to get Paul. Listen, they just took the initiative. What is God already speaking to you about? Because I promise you, he's already telling you. He's already talking to you. We're, it's just we're not listening. We're saying, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can lead a group. There's no way I can sit there and witness to someone at work. There's absolutely no way. And God is saying, oh, yes, there's a way. I need you to be there. I need you to open up your mouth. I need you to tell them what I have done for you. And listen, you don't have to run to Facebook because this is what happens sometimes. Some people just partake in things. I'm not saying nobody here, but some people just partake in things just so they can get on social media and talk about how much God did through them for this particular person. That's, you know, when, when it talks about the trumpet, don't sound a trumpet. The Greek word for that is social media right? That's a joke. It's really not. I don't want to, I'm not a heretic that I know of. (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, get involved. Listen, help privately. You don't need to hashtag it publicly. The greatest ministry you will do is between you and the Lord and this person, because I don't want a hashtag or a post to forfeit what God wants to do in heaven, because the Bible says, you know, you got which you got your likes here on this earth. Amen. Amen. I don't know if I'm preaching anybody here, but you can carry that message out to people you may run in contact with. <laughs> Apollos, look Look at this verse in Acts 18, 27 through 28. Think of this. Apollos had been thinking about going to Acacia, Acha, whatever that word is. And the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers Asking them to welcome him. And when he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace had believed. He refuted the Jews with the powerful arguments in a public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Listen, this is right after they met with who? Aquila and Priscilla. But then it goes further. Look at the company Paul puts him in. 1 Corinthians 1, and 12. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some are saying I'm a, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying I'm, an, I'm a follower of Apollos or I follow Peter or I follow only Christ. Think about that. Apollos is starting out preaching John's baptism and all of a sudden Paul has him in the same line of himself as well as Peter. So you don't hear anything about Aquila and Priscilla's part that they played in that. Their names are not mentioned, but I guarantee you it's mentioned in heaven. Number three, and the last point, faithfulness benefits generationally. Aquila and Priscilla is not mentioned in Acts again, and Paul mentions them in three of his letters. Now he writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 16:19. Look what it says. The churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all the others who gather in their home for church meetings. Listen. They're continually meeting. Churches are getting established. They're saying, okay, well, let's, let's do something here. In other words, they are, had already combined their passion and their desires to work and move the kingdom of God forward. That is what we need in our marriages. If you have a mission on, on in marriage, if your marriage is built on Christ and his mission, it's kind of hard to be selfish. Right? It's kind of hard to just do what you want to do and and live how you want to live. Listen, when you start ministering the gospel and the Holy Spirit just zooms through your body and you walk away like, man, the Lord moved. It's kind of hard to go home and want to be mean, right? (laughs) Some may be able to do it. It's hard for me. Now listen to this. Romans 16, 3 through 5. Listen, another time is mentioned. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all of the Gentile churches. Also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Here we go again. Now, we don't know what caused them to lay their put their neck on the line, but obviously something happened in their life. Ten years later, Paul writes his letter from a Roman dungeon and his execution is coming. And he writes a letter to the next generational pastor. Paul writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 19. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesphorus. Now think about this. Everyone, if you read before this, everyone has forsaken Paul. He is left alone. They scattered and Paul is arrested. And he writes a letter to young Timothy, the next generation pastoral warrior. And look who is besides young Timothy, Aquila and Priscilla. Raising up and helping admonish Timothy. Now think about this. Priscilla is the pet name that Paul would call her it was a term of endearment in other words like you might make up a nickname you kind of add on the back half of a name right like I'll give you an example I call Miss Clovia Miss Clovina I don't inside joke but uh, but that's just a term of endearment that's like a playful term okay so Prisca was her real name, and Paul would always say Priscilla, but this time he says Prisca in the last name, the the last letter that he would ever write. This is why he did that. He didn't want to play around. He wanted to give her the highest honor by saying her name in the most commendable way. He wanted his last address to be that of honor. And here's another small nugget for you. I want to encourage couples... You may have the wife who is more verbal about the gospel than the husband. Listen, history says that Aquila was the businessman and Priscilla was the go-getter. She was the one that was preaching and teaching and going about and and bringing people in, probably inviting people to home. And Aquila was like, man, I wanted to watch Monday night football. And we having a Bible study. (laughs) I'm not saying that happened. There was no Monday night football. Now think of this also, out of the six times Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, Paul says Priscilla first, and the other three times he says Aquila first. Now listen, during this time, women were looked down upon, they were considered uneducated that's why when you read in the in the, in one of the letters if paul says that women are to keep silent in church and then people build whole denominations based on that kind of slavery you just say it but then you got to get out of the choir you got to get out of teaching sunday school all that stuff right that's not right i mean seriously you know paul Looked at this situation. The reason that was said, because they were uneducated. This is what they were doing. They had to sit on separate sides. And they would lean over to the husband and say, I don't understand what Paul is saying. And the husband would be like, I'm going to tell you later. And Paul said, be silent and ask about these things when you get home. So it's you don't build a doctrine. And women are not less than men. Amen? That's true. They're not. Because I'm going to just say this as well. Because of most women, churches are still open amen i i I know that to be a fact so i i applaud the women that keep the church the, the church going and i also challenge the men such as myself as well to, to come alongside and, and, and get involved, no matter if it's changing diapers in the nursery or whatever it is, or helping out for, for, for the ladies' crawfish ball, any kind of area, jump alongside. And, and Priscilla and Aquila knew this. And listen, Paul mentions them separately, one name in front of the other, both times to show that he was equally content and happy with what they did in their ministry. So Paul wasn't lifting one up over the other. It was his way of being equal because it would it would be considered appalling to put a woman's name before a man's name in those days. So that's basically why Paul did that. And Paul used her name, which was a term of I honor you. I thank you for all that you've done. Remember, this is 10 years later. They, were, they had done so many things. They helped start these churches. They helped with Apollos teaching him. They were helping with young Timothy. They risked their lives for Paul. And yet, Paul gets to the end of his life, and he's writing to this young Timothy who was passionate, who dealt with fear, who was worried because of his age, and I'm sure Aquila and Priscilla was there saying, you know what? You can do anything. Paul believes in you. God believes in you. We believe in you. And we'll be here with you until our dying day. And that speaks to us in 2018. Amen? Can we stand? Now listen, m- marriage is, will be strengthened when we focus on the mission. Some people have been married and their husband or wife has passed away and they are serving and and furthering the gospel by themselves. And I applaud them as well. Amen. But listen, marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church and Christ gave himself up for the church. And listen, he didn't do that just so we can sit in religious hot tubs and wait on the Lord to return. He in, he intended us to join up with as a helpmate with, with with our spouse and move the gospel forward. And I just gave you some ways that you can do that. Get together in a group. Start a group. Press play on the, on the, on the, the TV or the, the DVD. Join together. Come alongside people when you see them in the ditch, when you see them weeping, when you see them struggling. Don't wait to be asked on, on the job when you see somebody dealing with something. Uh, Understand this. You are anointed to be where you are and God wants to use you. He is at the edge of his throne saying, Get in the game. I'm coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give it to you. Amen? Listen, there's no telling how much else they've done for the kingdom of God. But one day I cannot wait to see them standing at the Bema Seat Judgment and watch all the things that they were a part of that unfolded. And at the same time, you will be there. And every time you give, You have no idea who got saved because of what you gave. Every time we plant churches, you have no idea what life was changed and what dynamic preacher has come out of that to thunder the gospel. Amen? See, this is not patty cake church. It isn't just playing around. We're not coloring on walls. We're fighting the kingdom of darkness. And I believe each and every one of us are pushing the kingdom of darkness back. Amen. So each of you grab the sword, grab the hand or if the person has gone on before you. Grab his sword or her sword as well and keep moving forward and destroy and smother the kingdom of darkness with the glory of God. Amen. Come on, let's close our eyes and let's pray father we thank you right now god that we desire to be used by you lord god we lay down our own frustrations and disappointments and worries and fears and father we know that if we take care of your business lord that you will watch over the things that we cherish lord and you will help them flourish and grow so lord as we take this time to focus on relationships Lord we focus on our relationship with you first and you may be here and you could say that I have not served the Lord and that I I am I am not even born again and I need to confess my sin before the Lord I want to give you an opportunity by simply lifting your hand and I want to pray for you to receive Jesus And if you could say that I've never received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, you can do that tonight. And I just want to see your hand. I'm going to pray for you really quickly. I know most of you here, so Wednesday night, a lot of the the church comes out on Wednesday nights. But if not, I just want to pray a prayer. Pray this with me if you've never prayed this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all of my sin I confess that I have sinned that I've broken your laws I ask you to wash me and cleanse me in Jesus name amen and amen praise God give him a hand, a cl- a hand clap of praise and real quickly I want to pray for you as well Father I just come right now in the name of your son Jesus and I lift up each person here Lord, if they're married, if they're single, you know every circumstance, Lord, I ask right now that Aquila and Priscilla, Lord, as they have inspired me, Lord, I ask that you would allow this message, Lord, everything that we talked about, to resonate on the inside of them. And God, that we would see, Lord, that you've done great and mighty things through the people, Lord, that are barely even mentioned in the Bible. God, you choose to use all people. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you would birth a fire and a grace on the inside of people, Lord, that are here tonight and those that, that, are, that aren't here tonight, Lord, that you would begin to birth this desire and this growing grace on the inside of them to further the kingdom of God. And, Lord, I thank you right now. I rebuke every assignment of the enemy that will try to come against them. Lord, we rebuke it right now. We thank you for your hedge of protection. And, Lord, I ask that you would do great and mighty things through your people. In Jesus' name I pray and ask. Amen and amen. God bless you. Praise God. Well, you are dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. Good night.